Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Phil's Photography Journey podcast and I hope you're doing really well. We've got a nice dry day here, sunny and dry in Croydon. We've actually had great dry weather ever since the lockdown started. Uh, Prior to that, it had been one of the wettest winter, well actually autumn, winter and spring for some considerable period. But uh, we're we're doing okay. Uh, We are locked down still. Uh, I know that in some parts of the world there's been a, uh, an easing of some of the restrictions. Uh, we've seen, I suppose, a, a minor easing. I think the problem the government have is to say what you can and can't do, but try and cover all the eventualities. And uh, that, that's quite a tough call, uh, as as with the various questions to politicians and discussions in the media. And I tuned into one of these daytime radio phone-in programs uh, over here in the UK uh, earlier on in the week and uh, it was just mind-numbing really so I, I try and avoid those things still ever since the first podcast we did actually on lockdown in lockdown time I've really sought to pick and choose when I want to look at the news and that might just be once per day I don't always watch the government's briefings but I'm glad that they're still happening and they're still backing up the science. But one of the key things really for me is the uh, the way some of the questions and the interrogation is put to the government as if we should have known all along. Now, government have followed scientific advice, uh, but even that has been learn as you go. So I think this there's just been this massive, overwhelming hindsight benefit. And that's turning me off as well, I'll be honest. So, uh, you know, we're, we're learning and, uh, and when it when it's all done or at least moved to a, 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 a more acceptable phase, there's going to be inquiries. Of course, there will be. There'll be, you know, houses of parliament committees and equivalents in other parts of the world. And maybe, hopefully, some good will come of that uh, as a minimum that we're prepared, sharply prepared for anything that might happen in the future because this has hit the world like nothing else. Um, personally, I'd like to see some controls put in at you know where it originated. Uh, I won't be the only one that will be, uh, I guess, lobbying for that from from their armchair. So, without further ado, uh, what have been, what have I been doing uh, in the last month since I last podcast podcasted? Uh, I've been doing loads. It felt like I've been in work full time, although I've not had any full time work. That probably might not makes too much sense but in terms of being busy uh main choice being to learn new skills and mainly on the video side of things i mean we're always learning what we do this is a journey podcast and you know it charts just that and the journey can go in many ways but you know i i wanted to do video as a personal project for some time and this has given me a huge opportunity to put that into practice and really i've loved every minute of it Uh, I've been working away doing editing and I said to Sue and I'm sure I've said on this podcast in in a previous uh, episode that there's almost too many creative options uh, when you're putting a video together. You've got to have the footage, uh, although you can still kind of supplement that with stock footage. But uh, in terms of how you put it together, what's good, what works, what doesn't. And I decided that I would embark on some more formal training 
to get the best out of this so that I knew that I had a, some templates and patterns and, and, and some benefit of experience of people who've been there and walk the walk, talk the talk and all those good things. And I decided to download the Frono's photo guide to DSLR video shooting and to editing. Uh, so the two are complementary. So this is Jared Polin, who runs the Frono's photo business, I suppose, or franchise, or that's no, not franchise, business. Uh, and Todd Wolf, who is his video guy, who's a filmmaker, uh, been in the business many years. And they put this video guide, this shooting and editing guide together a few years back now, but it, it does stand the test of time. And there's just so many nuggets of information in there. You know, even going down to checklists for pre-shoot, uh, you know, having storyboard, having a vision for what you're going to do. And this covers different scenarios, but it's very real world. So they'll talk about it, talk through the steps and then go out on the shoot. And then obviously you, you practice the editing afterwards. And there, there's certain tasks that give you to practice as part of that. And I have to say, this has just filled a massive hole for me. Um, you know, I was like, like we do in many aspects, certainly in the creative world, you can do bits here and bits there and you may never get the full picture. But this is, to me... The, the best thing I can get towards being the full picture that I can now take away and work with. So one of the things I've done alongside that is to do a couple of practice shoots uh, at home. So some of that I've been working on um, just basic, well, it's normally Sue. Sue's normally the uh, the the talent in, in this, the acting talent, as it were. So we did a, a simple storytelling one, which was quite a, an easy setup, um, used use my boom mic, my Shaw boom mic that I bought some time ago. And that worked out really nicely. Technically, I was very pleased with that. And then I went for it and did a multicam. Uh, so this was a kind of face or talent camera. Um, I had a wide shot from top down. I had a side-on camera that was a bit closer and also had a GoPro looking at everything. And it was Sue doing a, a sort of baking demonstration. And hopefully get it more publicly released. It's on an unlisted basis at the moment for reasons that I'll keep to myself. And it was really, really, really good experience, both doing the setup. I mean, it was it was hard work. Uh, it was quite hard work doing what we wanted to do. I didn't have a complete shot list, although I'd use some of the templates that I got from the fro. And the editing is fascinating. So, you know, often there's a different soundtrack you know, recorded differently to a sound uh, audio recorder to the video and then using Final Cut Pro and other good quality pro editing software tools, you can just synchronize a clips because it will pick up, you know, what, what was being recorded at source, the waveforms and everything and just tie it all together with, with magic. Well, this was doing that, but it was also sequencing the cameras. So it was still using some of that magic. Um, but what it meant is that you end up with this timeline that's been synchronized audio and video and you you're almost like the tv producer where you can choose which camera angle to switch to and it can immediately cut to that angle uh, and then you can go back and play with it and do fine tuning and you know like anything the first one of these that i did probably took far longer than any future ones will do and you know sometimes it might just be two camera you know you'd have a, a tighter and a slightly wider camera two camera for an interview uh, so that's something that I will do going forward. Uh, did a bit of B-roll here and there. And I did a bit of music, but not not, not an ongoing music uh, track that I would have in, in our travel vlogs. Uh, but I was very pleased with, with the results, as was Sue. So, 
yeah, two cameras going to be a, a way forward. Um, one of the other things I was doing whilst learning from the, the Fro videos, Fro and Todd, was thinking about gear. So they, they tend to try and do it on a budget. Most of the shooting is done on a fairly standard DSLR, but they do use certain tools in their um, sliders and jibs, which are like these cameras on a crane. And my most recent thinking has been, well, you know, do I need all those separate elements or could I do something with maybe one item? So I'm currently researching the use of a gimbal to do some of that. And even being creative and having gimbals on monopods and gimbals on pan and tilt basis to to try and get some slider type effects. So uh, apologies, this is quite technical this week. Um, so gimbal is my current uh, form of research. I'm actually looking at the Moser Air 2. Why am I choosing that one over any of the others? Well, because Nikon decided to use it in their filmmaker kit with the Z6, Z6. So that's probably going to be my um, my purchase in due course. I, I tend to not research and then buy immediately. I tend to research, put it down, go away for a couple of days, come back up again, look at YouTube, make sure importantly that it's going to work with my particular configuration. Um, so yeah, I, I I plan to to drop some money and, and make a purchase on that in due course. Uh, I haven't there's, there's always price drops here and there, but it seems to be Amazon is one of the main places to buy it. Certainly at a good price point. Um, some of the companies like ProductionGear.co.uk who serve the industry, and I think CVP and probably ProAV, uh, they tend to hold slightly higher price for those things. So, um, so yeah, one of the reasons I I'm looking at that is because it's got a good sort of follow focus. So, basically, with a bit of creativity and practice, uh, and skill development you should be able to get all of those kind of movement shots that you would normally get in bigger hardware but in a smaller form factor um so and i think with the way this lockdown is going to go and even when they start easing it i'm going to have plenty of time to practice this so still got lots of work to do still got lots of practice to do enjoying it immensely um so i'm starting to turn around some of the stuff that that I've been working on. Uh, I've actually made a, a bold decision to revisit all of our California videos. So the final one was in the stage of final edit. And I downloaded a software package that does a lot of kind of mapping and it's all travel related. Funny, I've called it M Travel 2. So I'm going to use that as a basis of re- branding and rebuilding my videos and then putting them up on YouTube. I, I just converted those to unlisted so, you know, people can see what I've got there if they've got the link. But I'm going to, you know, re rework those, get them up in the coming few weeks. Uh, and then hopefully they'll all have a theme and a series to them uh, that will be understandable. Um, and part of the reason I did that is because I did have limited footage. You know, I've I've supplemented it with stills that I was happy with. Uh, but, you know, we only really have one camera, a camera in a car or a, um, a GoPro in the car, that kind of thing. So we, we did have certain limitations on, you know, on what we were producing there. So absolutely getting huge pleasure on um, on video. And in line with some training that I did just before Christmas, one of my next tasks to do, and also this ties in with the fact that we're going to be in lockdown for a while, I, I don't see myself having headshot clients coming in here. So I'm just looking for my water. I'm going to take a quick drink of water. Um, I don't think I'm going to have too much uh, in terms of headshot photography for a while. So 
I'm going to get out there, do some video stock, which I've not really done before, shoot it in 4K, uh, try and pick up some of the local area if I can, because that tends to sell well. Put it up there and, and see how it goes. So what else has been happening in the world? I had my birthday. That was last week. It was different, but okay. Uh, sun was shining. Um, we did go out in the car and our exercise, which we're allowed to do. But uh, it was just, you know, it, it, so many things are different. Um, old normal's gone. Still not really sure what new normal's going to look like. Um, and I'm not sure, certainly Sue and I are of the same opinion, whether we're going to be anxious to go we would be anxious about going out but you know whether we're going to be keen to go out to say a restaurant or whatever knowing that there's going to be all these additional measures I I kind of spoil the fun a bit I think I'd rather wait until we've we've turned the corner a bit more but who knows when that'll be so yeah so that's my birthday another year older and all that um been doing lots of sorting and tidying there's still more to do but that's that's quite cathartic is that the word therapeutic one of those icks um and we've yeah we've done a bit of stuff around the house uh i don't know where dust come from i mean we've done dusting i've cleaned the windows and they just get dirty again so yeah so i'm going to go out and do some of those domestic chores uh one of the additional things i did was to upgrade or change my website so i've been using squarespace which i'm sure people have heard of but yeah squarespace.com many people use their their sites and they have like a, a template basis for you to produce your site. So you choose a template that you like. And many way, many cases, there's a fairly seamless transfer. If you want to move from one template to another, they've they've designed them so there's a lot of stuff kind of done for you in the background. But they produced what's called Squarespace 7.1. So they were up to version 7 of their templates. But 7.1 is different in that it's basically one template but you've got more customizability around colors and fonts and styling. And I started playing around with this. I went into a trial, but basically they treat you a bit like a new customer where you have a 14-day trial, although the guy was nice enough after a chat session to extend it to a month. And you can't just then treat it as a new template. You have to actually sign up as a brand new customer and then request that they do a financial adjustment for what you already pay. So my Squarespace year ends in September. And the guy who I spoke with was fairly confident that I would get a price adjustment. And I started playing around with this and thought, actually, I might as well just go for it. And I think within rapid time, it was only a few days, three or four days maybe, uh, I just set my site up on 7.1, went live, requested via an email that, uh, I should get a price adjustment because I'm only doing this because I've not got any work and I've been hit by COVID, etc., etc. And they were great uh, and they've made the adjustment and that's all gone through. So I'm not sure that I got, a, well, I got a reasonable amount back. I've not done the detailed maths. Uh, there's obviously things like pricing in dollars, so it needs to be converted, yada, yada. Uh, but I was pleased that they were able to do that. So I felt that I've got a reasonable sense of value for money and I think that's meant that because I paid for the year I've now got my I've got a new anniversary with Squarespace um I'd looked at other options so WordPress is one of the other big players in, in the market uh, but WordPress is slightly different I've heard stories from people who've worked in the industry that they often get hacked uh, you still have to have your own hosting solution um and it just felt like something I didn't want to bother with when I had Squarespace. I already had a relationship with Squarespace. So it made sense to stay with them. So, uh, yeah, so 
have a look at my site, feelswallow.com, uh, see what you think. I've not gone mad with content. I kept it fairly brief and to the point for now, but obviously that will grow over time. And uh, yeah, I, I really like what 7.1 allowed me to do. So uh, I recommend that. Uh, so switching back to video. So with video, with file sizes. So if you start shooting in log, which is a flat format that enables you to preserve highlights and shadows, um, and you can then you have to then do some color grading to get your your chosen color representation. Uh, those files are big because you're collecting more data. It's a bit like shooting raw for photography. So if you start going spraying around 4K 10-bit log, which I can shoot in my camera and on the Atomos Ninja, uh, those files are big. Uh, they're very big. And I've done a bit of shooting, just, just sort of garden stuff and test stuff, and realized that I'm going to be getting through storage quite quickly. So um, I may not always choose to shoot in log. You know, sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. Um, probably generally shoot in 4K, although... You know, if it's something like we did for Sue the other day, I just shot that in 1080, uh, 24 frames per second. Nice and smooth, nice and simple. Um, but yeah, if, if, you, you know, if you're going to shoot log all the time, which you, which you would do log or even raw, uh, if you're doing proper film making, uh, you need a lot of storage. So I'd actually, even just through the stuff that I'd been doing, playing around, I was down to my last terabyte of my local storage, which is I have two... Uh, very good quality external hard drives attached to my Mac and one backs up to the other. So one's four terabytes in my working drive. The other is six but with a partition. I've got two terabytes for my time machine backup, which goes with Mac from four is the copy. So you can kind of understand how that works out. But what I wanted to do was have a solution for archiving. So I'll always do my current work off of the main drives. They're automatically backed up via Backblaze into the cloud and via Amazon Prime Photos into the cloud. So I always know that from that point of upload, and I don't wipe my cards immediately either. So, you know, in backup terms, the images are on the card. They're on a disk that gets mirrored to another disk and they're up in two places in the cloud. I'm, I'm pretty safe there. But when I've completed um, my jobs or particularly with the video stuff, which those files are a bit bigger, and I know I've got to do some configuration, where am I coming to? Where are you going to, Phil? I bought a Synology NAS, uh, which is network attached server. So it doesn't plug into your computer. It's on your network, but it's accessible by your computers. Uh, I bought that last week. I set it up Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, it had to do a lot of kind of background stuff to enable the disks. I basically, so I've got a four bay NAS. It's the DS918 plus from Synology. And I decided to initially buy two 8-terabyte uh, Seagate IronWolf Pro disks. Um, because it's my archive, I, I feel that you know there's going to be some redundancy between the two, uh, but also it allows me to grow initially. Uh, one of the other things I will do, which I haven't done yet, is to set up, um, and I want to go for the cheapest good option, which is, the, I think it's Amazon S3 Glacier, uh, which is quite cheap to actually put your stuff in the cloud. So... That will be, my archive will be 8 terabytes mirrored to 8 terabytes or within a Synology hybrid RAID setup. I told you it would be technical. And that will be connected to the Amazon S3, which means it will have cloud backup there in case of need. So really, um, 
you know, I will be adding more discs over time to the Synology to to fill it, uh, fill the four bays ultimately over time and funding and all that sort of stuff. Um, it, you can add another Synology to that so I can actually get even more capacity. And that all works wonderfully until either it could get stolen or the house gets burnt down. I don't want either of those things to ever happen, of course. We've got good smoke detectors. We live in a pretty safe and secure area. But, you know, you still have to prepare for these things. Um, so if all of that happened, then I would have a cloud option with Amazon to get that. And even then, that's archive. So I don't feel that there would be a desperate need Uh you know, it would be a bad combination of events if a, an old client wanted some images from way back that I'd archived a while ago and I had those awful scenarios touching wood, don't want them to happen. Um, so, yeah, so but I, would, I feel I would be covered now by having, once I've got that in, in place. And what I'd done, because I, again, locked down, get organised, I'd already kind of produced an archive folder on my current storage setup for both photos and video. Um, so now and I've copied that across to the NAS, but I won't delete it until I've got the Amazon up in place and running. So it's all kind of, everything's completely covered and, uh, locked down as it were, uh, no pun intended with the current situation. And then ultimately I can delete that and then start to free up. And I think it's about 0.9 of a terabyte that I've got at the moment. So that, that comes back to me on my May working discs. Um, now I did do some sort of archiving activity on on the Mac for video. But I know that with the, the NAS, and I briefly touched on this earlier, you, initially it won't recognize the Final Cut Pro uh, format for libraries and projects and events. So I need to do some stuff that I found on YouTube on 9to5Mac, thank you for that video, uh, to work through some commands so that it will recognize it. Then I'm going to revisit my archives because... There's a very clever way that I got from rippletraining.com, uh, who are a good site, about how you can create an archive of a project. So the project is your kind of final output. It's your video that's going to go onto YouTube or to a client. And it's a way of producing a kind of self-contained archive where you've got that project timeline and just the clips that back it up that are associated with it. So you could do an element of recreation if you needed to. Um, but additionally with that, I'll be copying across the video files anyway. Um, and of course, they're just normal files. You know, these are downloaded clips from cameras and things. So I think I will have a way of protecting myself for all, all ends up, um, but also give myself some free space. And then I think, you know, having I, I do additionally on those four terabytes of attached storage, DAS, direct attached storage, uh, I do have things like my main iPhoto library, which is quite big, and my iTunes library. So they're always going to occupy a fair chunk, um, but they won't get in the way of me being able to download, I suppose, a terabyte, possibly even two terabytes of a job. Um, and I think we'd be talking video jobs here, but who knows? And being able to work on them quickly as direct storage. And then ultimately, when they're packaged down to uh, to a working file, um, working project, I can just archive that off. So Another apology for being technical, uh, but that's the way it goes. The other thing I do, which I learned quite early, and I'm glad I learned quite early with video editing, is uh, proxy files. And uh, if any of you guys are getting into this with Final Cut Pro, 
I urge you to look at the proxy workflow because it's it's really, really clever. So what it means is that you're working with a lower quality and therefore smaller file. So when you're dragging in clips, you're doing your edits, your cuts, your and your transitions and all that sort of stuff, the whole rendering process is quicker because the file is smaller. Uh, so what's the flip side? Well, when you do your initial uh, in installation or implementation, what's the word I'm looking for? Imports. Hey, when you do your initial import of footage, what you do is you tick the checkbox to say create proxy media. So it will take much longer. So start your import process, go and have a cup of tea. Um, and then you will then retain the proxy files throughout the work. Uh, when you go to export, it actually will, when you go to, to create a master file, uh, it will actually warn you that you've got proxy files and do you really want to use those? And obviously at that point you say no, so you switch back to full media, which you have anyway because you work with proxy and the full uh, full resolution images are in the background. So make sure you, you switch back and also make sure you delete that proxy media. So uh, the test multicam file that I was working on with Sue, I think I made a slight mistake because I managed to get two lots of proxies. I did the proxy on import and I did the proxies as part of the multicam creation. Only after I'd done that, I found a video saying, yeah, switch that off. Just do proxy workflow. Don't have it additionally done. Anyway, the upshot of this is that the footage that I had grew to some ridiculous, like, 140 gig. Um, and I think when I'd finished working on the files or created the master file that would be uploaded uh, and deleted all generative files, all render files, all proxy files, they're no longer needed. And you can regenerate them anyway, if you need to. Um, it went down to something like 10 gig. So proxy media is great, but just remember to get rid of it afterwards because you don't need it. You don't need those proxy files. They've served their purpose. You've got your final product and uh, your final cut uh, and you away you go. So um, strayed very much into video work there, haven't I? But just really sharing what I'm learning. Uh, it's so different and wider and deeper than photography or the, certainly the stuff that I've got to in terms of my photography workflow. I mean, that seems easy by comparison. And of course, it's complimentary because you're bringing stills to your videos. But um, it's it really is something that I've I've gained a lot of enjoyment of, and it's certainly going to be part and parcel of what, of what I do going forward. I want to offer a video option or video service, really. Um, but it's just really how I go and where I go with it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a an independent single filmmaker, DSLR shooter uh, with. With things that might grow, you're going to need extra pairs of hands to make it all work uh, efficiently with with clients uh, as well. So um, that's something that we can look at. Good. So thanks for having a listen. Uh, and I know it's been very technical, uh, but sometimes it has to be. This is this is where my journey takes me. It takes me to technical places. Uh, but I hope you're all doing really well and coping with lockdown. I, I know through my references to colleagues in Headshot Crew, my interactions, I should have said, uh, is that, you know, there are some shoots taking place now in parts of the States. And uh, uh, good good luck, guys. Um, I hope you, you everything works smoothly and fine and in a sanitized way for you. Um, I say, I, I honestly don't think we're going to be doing anything like that for some time over here in the UK. 
I just think it's, there's too many nerves around, really. And our numbers are too high. Um, I think even if they said you couldn't do this, that, and the other, which I think the next review is next week, um, some people won't. I think they'll just say, great, you, you go and fill your boots. Uh, we're just going to stay on, you know, essential journeys only and uh, and staying at home and, you know, keeping our sanity as best we can. So uh, I will leave it there and uh, sign off. And thank you for listening. Please, um, if you get time, do a review in iTunes. That would be most appreciated. Uh, other than that, I'll catch up with you soon.